Here on Stolen Lives, we discuss brutal and heartbreaking crimes against children. Themes may include child murder, torture and sexual, domestic and child abuse. I do try my best to remain respectful for the babies in these stories and leave out unnecessary details that honestly, none of us need to know to understand the frustration of why and how this ever happened. However, if you find any of these themes triggering, this podcast may not be for you. Listener discretion is advised. For children in the foster system around the world, adoption is basically the dream. When it goes right, adoption offers stability where there once was none and grants a child a home life comparable to any other child their age. Now when adults have bad intentions and safeguarding fouls, things can go horribly wrong very quickly. This was unfortunately the case for 16-month-old John Ying, a baby not yet old enough to speak a baby whose story would shake the entire nation of South Korea. This is Jong Ing's story. On the surface, they were the perfect adoptive family. A young couple with a daughter of their own had adopted a precious baby girl named Jung In back in 2019. They even appeared on a TV show looking like a poster family for adoption. But behind closed doors, what happened to Chung In was an absolute nightmare, and the only way people found out was through her cold, lifeless body filled with signs of abuse. Jong In was born June 10, 2019, to a single, very young mother in South Korea. A mother who knew she couldn't provide for her daughter the way she needed. So at eight days old, Jong In was placed for adoption at a local church. For the first six months of her life, Jong Ing lived in foster care, and she thrived in this environment. Jong Ing's foster carers would later report the baby to have a lively and cheerful personality. Photos would show this ridiculously adorable baby girl. She looks happy and grins into the camera with the brightest of smiles and chubby cheeks. I don't know how anyone could look at this baby and not immediately fall in love with her. February 2020. Eight-month-old Jong Ing was formally adopted by a new mother in Jong and father An. And due to privacy laws in Korea, Jong and An have only been identified by their surnames. The family already had a four-year-old girl. This was a seemingly good Christian family. Jong's father was a well-respected pastor. An worked for a TV network, and Jong was an interpreter. Jong and An were passionate about adoption. Even before they had their first child, the couple seemingly always destined to adopt a child of the foster system. The family seemingly bonded with little Jong Ing during the month-long visitation to make sure Jong Ing was comfortable with her new family. And this new family became the face of adoption, to encourage families to consider adoption, that adoption wasn't just for celebrities, that normal people can adopt too. The new family were featured on a TV show, One Average Family, that aired on the Korea Educational Broadcasting System. During this interview, Jong Ing's adoptive father, Ahn, appears quite proud of his new daughter and excited to start the next chapter in their lives. Jong and Ahn also changed Jong Ing's name legally. However, I will not entertain the thought of mentioning this name on this podcast, because what Jong Ing's adoptive parents do to this sweet baby girl they do not deserve to take both her identity away from her and her life. I will continue to refer to Jong Ing by her name at birth, Jong Ing. 
This week's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is something interfering with your happiness? Is something in the way of you achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counselling is there for you. Connect with your professional counsellor in your own home on your own time at your own pace. BetterHelp have licensed professional counsellors who specialise in depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, relationships, family conflicts and more. And I should know, I've used BetterHelp to address issues relating to anxiety, depression and grief. BetterHelp made a difference for me and it can make a difference for you. And it's a truly affordable option. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash stolen today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stolen. April 2020, less than two months after her adoption, the Yangchong Police Precinct received a phone call from Zhongying's daycare centre. Workers reported seeing bruises across the baby's face, legs, arms and belly. They told police they were concerned Zhongying was being abused, showing police photos of the girl's injuries. But police dismissed these reports that only broken bones or cuts could be used to determine abuse. I am so mad already and we have only just started. Because this is insane to me. If daycare workers, and I did check, daycare workers are mandatory reporters in South Korea. But if a daycare worker who knows the child contacts authorities with evidence the child has substantial bruises on their body, I don't see how police do not have a duty of care to at least go out to the daycare centre or the child's home and make sure that everything is okay. But for Jong Ying, they don't. No one who could walk in and save this little girl's life does. This is despite many more reports of abuse on this sweet child. After this report, and up to her death five months later, Zhong Ying only attended daycare six more times. As a reference to this, John and An's older daughter had no absences, attending 100% of her five-day-a-week daycare routine. As I said, it wasn't just the daycare workers that noticed something wasn't quite right in their household. Another mother reported to police an incident where she was at a play date with Jong and the little girl. At some point during this play date, Jong Ying got upset and started crying. Jong explaining it was because it was her daughter's nap time. But instead of comforting the tired infant, maybe rocking her in her arms or pushing her around in the stroller, no, John restrained Jong Ying in her stroller and covered the crying baby's face with several towels. Jong must have noticed the horror in the other mother's face and explained she had to do this because, quote, Jong Ying couldn't sleep unless her face was covered, unquote. Neighbours would also regularly complain of loud noises coming from the family's apartment. But when police would question Jong and An about this, a month after the report was filed, mind you, which in itself is beyond ridiculous, but Jong would apologise and blame it on her daughter's, quote, playing loudly. Unquote. The reports just kept coming in with no action. That summer, around Jong Ying's first birthday, a family acquaintance was going out to dinner at a local restaurant, and while walking through the parking lot, she noticed the family's car and inside was Jong Ying sitting inside alone, locked in the car, windows up, in summer. 
while the rest of the family was eating at the restaurant. But despite the family acquaintance reporting her concerns, the police would again dismiss the report as lacking clear evidence of abuse. Now I get one report slipping through the cracks, maybe two. But here are multiple reports over a few months with no action. To me, where there is smoke, there's fire. And I don't understand how police didn't even do a welfare check to make sure this baby was healthy and safe at this point. Things get a little fuzzy here with the timeline. Most of the contemporary news articles on Jong Ng's story are in Korean, and I did have some help with translation here from an amazing listener and friend of the podcast, Suna. But it seems that Jong Ng drops off the radar at some point for around two months. She doesn't go to daycare, and there are no further police reports. September 2020. Two more reports are received by police. Jong Ng returns to daycare noticeably thinner. We are talking about two kilos or four and a half pounds thinner. Substantial for a child who is only 14 months old. I did read a few articles that daycare workers reportedly took Jong Ng to the local hospital to be checked. However, there are no further reports regarding what happened here, if anything. And honestly, with how this story has gone, it seems nothing happened because Jong Ng remains in the care of Jong and An. Only a few days later, the final report is made to police. A paediatrician, a trained child specialist. She stated during an evaluation of Jong Ng, it was determined the child was suffering from malnutrition and showed signs of physical abuse. The paediatrician recommending Jong Ng be removed from her parents until more information could be garnered into Jong Ng's well-being. But again, police obviously knew better and they dismissed the report as unsubstantiated. Another chance, the last chance, to save this innocent and sweet baby girl was missed. The day before Jong Ng died, October 12, 2020, things were looking especially dire. Once again, it was the people at Jong Ng's daycare centre pushing for something to be done. A worker pleaded with Jong to take the toddler to the doctor. The worker had witnessed Jong Ng being unable to swallow or drink. This worker would later testify at trial, quote, The day before she died, Jong Ng looked like she had gave up on everything. She didn't eat any of her favourite snacks and she wouldn't play with any of her favourite toys, unquote. October 13th, 2020. Jong Ng's condition became critical. A taxi carrying Jong Ng and her mother pulled up at the Mok Dong Hospital in the Yangchong district. Jong told doctors that she accidentally dropped her daughter and that she was now unconscious and not breathing. 16-month-old Jong Ng's tiny body was covered in bruises, and notably, her belly was abnormally round and bloated. This child. Doctors would immediately go into action to save this little girl who was dying and they would be shocked at the source of this bloating, and it was clear very quickly that what happened to Jong Ng was not an accident. Nearly 80% of her stomach was filled with blood and pus. Further scans showed that she had fractures along her collarbone, ribs, arms and legs. Jong Ng's pancreas had ruptured, her organs were failing, her intestines had ruptured and had begun to rot. Some of the fractures showed signs of regrowth meaning this wasn't a case of Jong dropping Jong Ng that morning. These injuries would have had to have occurred weeks, if not months earlier. 
and due to the damage of Jong Ying's organs, blood would have been seeping into her belly for quite a while. This baby wouldn't have been able to eat without being physically sick, which would have been partially responsible for her weight loss and malnutrition. Despite doctors doing all they could for Jong Ying, the damage was too great. Hours after arriving at the hospital, Jong Ying would die. She'd suffered from three cardiac arrests at the hospital. Cause of death was determined to be, quote, serious internal bleeding of her organs caused by an external force, unquote. Zhong Ying had been in the care of Zhong and An for only 271 days. Last October, police arrested Zhong Ying's adoptive parents for child abuse. The mother was accused of physically abusing her daughter for months and causing her death after striking the baby on her back. And the father was indicted on charges of child neglect and abandonment. Autopsy showed that Chungin had died from extensive damage to her organs, including the intestines and the pancreas. She was only 16 months old. November 2020. The Seoul Southern District Prosecutor's Office indicted Chungin's mother, Jong, for involuntary manslaughter and Jong-ing's father, Ahn, for negligence. After it was determined Ahn was not an active participant in the abuse and, quote, didn't know it was happening, unquote. But he knew the little girl was unwell and failed to take her for medical treatment. Jong faced a maximum sentence of 15 years in prison, but ultimately she was only sentenced for 10 years. Ahn walked free on a suspended sentence and probation. After the news broke, the Seoul police was also criticized for their mishandling of the case, as it turns out that Chungin's adoptive parents had been reported three times for suspicions of child abuse, but the police did nothing to protect the child. More than 200,000 people have signed online petitions against Chungin's adoptive parents, calling for a stronger punishment and better child protection laws. There are also calls to reform police protocols in how they respond to child abuse cases. These light sentences enraged the citizens of Korea. They wanted Jong and An to feel the full weight of the law. Petitions circulated demanding more accountability for authorities, arguing children should be separated from their parents if the parents are accused of abuse after two or more reports had been filed. The petition eventually amassed almost 250,000 signatures. The hashtag SorryJongIng became one of the top trending tweets after a member of BTS, as well as other popular Korean actors and singers, posted and shared the story with the hashtag. To say Jong Ing caught the attention and heart of a nation is an understatement. No one could understand how this could be allowed to happen, and how Jong could possibly cause such severe injuries on the tiny 16-month-old. And doctors couldn't shed any further light on the situation. To this day, it is unknown just how Jong Ing's mother caused enough damage to rupture her daughter's pancreas. A pancreatic injury is one of the least common abdominal injuries because of where the pancreas is located, deep within the abdomen. January 2nd, 2021. A popular Korean TV show, Unanswered Questions, did an experiment to prove just how difficult the injury was to cause that a woman of the mother's size could not have been able to cause the injury simply by punching or kicking the baby. So they called in experts to create an experiment of sorts, and it was determined that the injuries Jong-in sustained could have only occurred by Jong jumping off a surface such as a couch and then landing feet first on the child's stomach. This show went viral and reignited national outrage throughout South Korea. Because of this, 
The South Korean police chief apologised to Jong-ing and other abused children of the system in a public statement. President Moon Jae-ing also expressed regret over authorities not making the well-being of adopted children a priority. Quote, Despite having made police reports numerous times, they failed to separate her from them in the beginning, and the preliminary investigation was poorly done. Unquote. An inquest was held which resulted in a retrial of Jong and An in mid-2021. Outside the Seoul Southern District Court, the sidewalks were filled with angry citizens from all over the country, holding signs that read, Death penalty for the adoptive parents, and demons who killed 16-month-old baby. The prosecution came down hard on An, arguing he couldn't have been as unaware of the abuse going on within the home. A forensic doctor testified at trial. He suspected there was another fatal beating around three to five days before Jong Ing died. And this was around the time of a public holiday in South Korea, which indicated that Ahn would have been home with the family when the incident occurred. Another piece of evidence that Ahn was compliant in the abuse and neglect of little Jong Ing were in the form of text messages. Text messages were found during the investigation between Jong and Ahn. And in these messages, it was clear the decision to not feed Jong Ing was not only deliberate but malicious. In one conversation, Jong speaks of her frustration that Jong Ing won't eat, probably because her stomach was filled with blood caused by her abusing the child, but anyway. But An replies telling his wife to starve her for the rest of the day to teach her a lesson. Jong would agree, stating they could not feed Jong Ing for three days without the toddler dying. Jong took the stand on her own behalf and said she had, quote, no such intention, unquote, to cause Jong Ing to die. Jong attempted poorly to explain away the bruises on Jong Ing's body. Now, Jong Ing did have a condition that caused her legs to be slightly deformed, and the bruises were caused by massaging Jong Ing much harder than intended. However, this does not explain the bruises on the rest of her body and the internal injuries. And then, Jong admitted that she did punch Jong Ing in the stomach for refusing to eat, but insisted that she did not step on Jong Ing's stomach or any other, quote, force that could rupture her organs, unquote. Jong also admitted to throwing Jong Ing in the air and dropping her on the day she died. Jong's lawyer stating that, quote, she feels the anger of the public, but she didn't mean to kill the little girl. She admits that she did mistreat the girl on the day she died, but she doesn't think that what she did killed the child. Unquote. Jong would also face the judge and state she would, quote, kneel and seek the forgiveness, unquote, for the death of her adoptive daughter, and that she would accept any punishment. Despite this, she would consistently claim she was not responsible for Jong Ing's passing. Lee Jong Bin, a university professor of medicine and science, he also testified at trial. He said that Jong Ing was likely stomped upon by Jong that Jong Ing's ruptured pancreas was an indication Jong used her feet rather than her arms to assault the toddler. He would add that he believed the reason Jong assaulted the child with her feet rather than her arms was because at the time Jong had recently underwent breast surgery. An's lawyer pleaded for mercy, saying that if his client was aware Jong Ing was being abused, he would have spoken up, that he loved his adoptive daughter and would never see any harm done to her that he believed his wife's reasonings of how Jong Ing's injuries came to be, 
that he had no reason not to believe her. Jong also submitted a letter of apology to the court, saying her husband did not know about the entirety of the abuse. May 14, 2021. Jong was found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to life imprisonment. Unguilty of negligence or aiding the abuse of Jong Ying and sentenced to five years. The defence appealed immediately. April 28, 2021. An appeal trial was held. The Supreme Court commuted Jong's sentence to 35 years. As for An, his sentence was upheld. He will be eligible for parole before the end of this year, 2024. So how was this abuse allowed to happen? And why was the abuse able to continue for so long? Because of the death of Jong Ying, there has since been measures taken to protect such tragedies from occurring again in South Korea. In an inquest into Jong Ying's death, private adoption agencies were effectively encouraged to compete for economic incentives and numbers by making the highest amount from, quote, adoptable children, unquote. And because of this, according to activists, this caused loopholes to arise in the adoption process, leading to the most vulnerable adoptive babies being harmed. In fact, the Ministry for Health and Welfare in Korea actually found that adopted babies were almost 14 times more likely to be victims of abuse and neglect. In the words of one South Korean activist, Meg Dokyung Kim, quote, not a single person did their jobs properly. They all failed Jong Ing in some way from law enforcement to adoption agencies and child protection services. There aren't only one or two loopholes in the system. We need to start with an empty slate and rethink the system fundamentally. Unquote. On the account of the negative attention child protection authorities received in the wake of Jong Ing's murder, the Korean Assembly hastily passed several new child protection laws. This included a ban on corporal punishment in the home, and a requirement by police to investigate immediately when alerted by medical professionals or any other mandatory reporters, like the daycare workers in Jong Ying's story. How well this is going to be enforced remains to be seen. I could go on for another episode on the number of people and agencies that failed this baby, but it leaves me beyond confused why Jong and An even wanted to adopt a child. It seems they never loved Jong Ying from the moment she joined their family. Maybe it was the attention they received prior to the adoption. Maybe the reality of raising a disabled child was much more than they were prepared for. But what is clear? There needs to be greater screening and much more support and follow-up after an adoption is finalised. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives... Please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice, and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.